This is the Parenting for Faith podcast from the Bible Reading Fellowship. Visit parentingforfaith.org for free online videos and resources and an eight-session course all about Parenting for Faith. You can also sign up for news, subscribe to this podcast, and find out about events and training in your area. Welcome to the Parenting for Faith podcast. My name is Anna Hawkin and I'm part of the team here at Parenting for Faith. And I am playing Recording Roulette, which is a game we play where we do work and then we see if small people are going to burst in and make an appearance. Uh, You may play this on video calls or in meetings. Oh, guys, we are back to homeschool. I don't want to call it that. I feel like that's an insult to actual people who homeschool well. (laughs) Uh, But schools are closed. We're back in lockdown. Wow. Um, But we are here for you. We are praying for you. We are going to create whatever you ask us for. Core encouragements are back. If you missed out on those last time, uh, go and have a little look on the playlist on Facebook. These are just two minute little silly videos, really, of Rachel mostly just sharing something to give us a little boost, little encouragement, little lift. These are strange times and we could all do with that. So enjoy. There is a new one out Um, And yeah, I hope that works really well. So in our episode today, I'm going to share something in a minute about a book that I read over Christmas and how I feel like it relates to lockdown and where we're at right now. And then Rachel's going to answer a question all about um, a child with additional needs and struggling to calm down and how to help them with that. And then we're going to be hearing from our dad panel. That's what it says in my notes. Um, but two friends of Rachel's just chatting about forgiveness and modelling the father. And particularly we wanted a male perspective on this. So we look forward to hearing from them later. Um, but I wanted to start off by telling you about a book that I read over Christmas. Um, you may have noticed the theme now when I do a book review, book comment on the podcast. It's because it's been Christmas and that's when I've had time to read. Uh, so it's called The Lazy Genius Way by Kendra Adachi. And I'm quite a fan of her podcast and her community and her general philosophy on life. We uh, understand each other, I like to think. Um, And basically her sort of way of looking at things is to uh, decide what matters and embrace it, ditch all the stuff that doesn't and don't worry about it um, and get done what you need to get done. Um, But it was a specific quote um, that really kind of stood out and... Um, I was going to say hit me in the face, but you know what I mean? It was fairly full on. So this is on um, page 16 and it says this. Order isn't always fake and chaos isn't always vulnerable. And I think the reason that really struck me is in this homeschool, lockdown, whatever we're calling it, in this situation that we're in now, there can be this weird sort of competition So um, there's people who are super organised and seem to have it all together um, and we can kind of feel maybe secretly envious or jealous of them or like maybe that's not very real and that that's a bit fake. Um, And then there are those of us who are kind of um, flying by the seat of our pants and we a bit more and it's all a bit crazy and chaotic and it can feel like there's a bit of a, I don't know what the word is, like just weird competitiveness about how we present that and this image that if uh, you're showing the crazy that that's somehow real Uh, but the order if something is organised and you have planned something for dinner or your kids are sitting down doing their schoolwork 
that if you share that or if you talk about that, that that's fake in some way. Um, and I just feel like it's not true. <laughs> All of us are a mixture, aren't we? We have times that are totally chaotic. I was going to say good days and bad days, but actually it's at the moment it's good minutes and bad minutes, good hours and bad hours. We have times where things are very organised and very, um, we know what's going on, seasons of our life maybe, or little pockets in our day. And we have times where it's crazy and chaotic and we don't know which way is up. And I just wanted to say that both are okay. <laughs> it's not that the order is fake and the chaos is vulnerable. Sometimes that's true, but not always. However you are handling this, and whatever the moment in your day looks like right now, whether it looks really organised and ordered or whether it looks really crazy and chaotic, God is in that. And there's loads of opportunities to meet with him and to create windows for your children into that. So creating windows is one of the key tools we mentioned at Parenting for Faith. And all it means is letting your kids or your teens see or hear something of your relationship with God. So... <laughs> Um, if you're having a totally mental, everything's going crazy, you can say, right, I'm going to go outside. I'm going to go outside the front door and have three deep breaths and just ask for God's peace and ask God to come close. Or you don't have to go outside the front door. I don't know why I said that, but you can just take a moment in the crazy to connect with God and let your kids see that. Likewise, if you're having a really ordered, organised moment, everyone sat around the table and doing their work um, you can just chat with God and check in with him there as well. It doesn't, God is with us in both of those things. He understands both of them and we don't have to sway towards one or the other. Um, so yeah, just a little thought. But I will share more from the Lazy Genius Way at some other point because I quite enjoy it. And um, I wanted to end with a quote. Uh, this is how she finishes the book and I thought it was really beautiful as like a little prayer and blessing over us today. Sorry, you'd think I would have got this ready, wouldn't you? Okay, it says this, you weren't knit together in your mother's womb so you could run after a moving finishing line. You're tired because you're trying to overcome the world, but we can take heart because the God of the universe has already done that. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. He has hemmed you in behind and before. His thoughts for you are impossible to count. That's not a God who gets a laugh watching you drown in the deep end of life as you try to manage schedules and chores and ridiculous expectations. The indwelling Christ is with you and you can just be. Hear this now, friend. You are loved. You are seen. You are enough. I just thought that was a really beautiful way to end. So let's all just take a deep breath right now. And just know that we are in this together. We can do this together. We can connect with God in the order and in the chaos, in the messy, crazy, bonkers bits of our days and in the calm, ordered, quiet moments, whenever they come, wherever they come. And that we can create windows into that and let our children see and experience a little bit of it too.
my name is Rachel Turner, and I get to answer questions today. And uh, we love getting your questions in the inbox through Facebook Messenger or through the website, parentingforfaith.org. And uh, please continue to send them in. We love it. And today's question is about helping children manage emotions with God. The question is this. My question follows on from a recent podcast in which you started to explore reshaping behavior and connecting with children's heart issues. My son, 11, has recently been diagnosed as being on the autistic spectrum. One of the issues we are struggling with at home is his emotional response when things don't go the way he would like or anticipate it. There's lots of secular advice out there for helping to manage emotions, but do you have any advice on tackling this issue from a spiritual perspective, helping him connect with God when he finds things tough? It's an absolutely great question. I want to agree with you that there is lots of people way smarter than me out there uh, who in, who can give secular advice on helping your child to manage those emotions. And so I really do want to, to answer the question you had about the spiritual aspect of it. I think one of the things to just remind you of is that you are the expert in the particular, beautiful, wonderful way your kid's brain, heart works. And you, you know all the little tricks and you know all the the <laughs> tiny things that set them off and what phrasing doesn't work. And, and you have been given a sort of expertise in your child through sheer experience and effort. And so you are really greatly positioned to help position your kid to connect with God in this season. And so one of the things I would suggest is to partner with what already works. You already have skills in place of and patterns in place of how your child copes with those emotions and what's coming up and what isn't coming up and so my question is what is one way that you can you can bring in that added layer of faith god connection with him to what is already a pattern or a ritual and so i know some some families uh, who particularly need to anticipate what's happening in the day you know do your visual timetables in the morning or set that out and so some of the things that i know some families do is as they set out the thing they say you know okay god please bring your peace today as we talk about your thing and peace here and peace here god and peace here god that we may spend the whole day um, with calm hearts and and joyful faces, I think is one of the ones I said. Um, but whatever phrase you like, but that sort of adding that, that today is not just a series of happenings, but that today is a series of God's peace within those happenings that we're going to ask God to bring. Um, or we finish making the timetable and we say, God be with us in every piece. And that sort of pattern of, of how are you weaving God into even the beginning of, of how we plan those things. But also it's in how... Um, your child self-soothes or when they're coping with it. Uh, I knew one family who had a, a child who, when he wanted to self-soothe, he would seek out textures and was quite a sensory seeker. And so had uh, his grandmother knit a little tiny, like, hand blanket. It was like the size of my hand, but it was just a, a knitted, beautiful thing of beautiful yarn. And uh, the grandmother prayed over it. And just prayed while she was knitting, prayed for her grandson. And so when her grandson would, was upset, he would go grab the, the blanket and, and he would hold it and rub it because he was struggling to articulate anything to God. But that knitted 
hand blanket was a way of connecting with God, of saying, I want God close. It was a something tangible he could grab. I know another child who had a particular cross that they really liked that they would just rub as they were thinking. And sometimes it's just partnering with whatever your child does to say, you know, what, what do you want? And most of those conversations happen outside of the crisis moment. So when your kid's in the middle of it, sometimes that's definitely not something to introduce something new in, but just say at a different time, grandma made this for you so that when you get upset, you can grab it. And to have that available in front of them, to be able to partner with whatever is there can be helpful. And so outside of that time, to have those conversations of what could be helpful, but also what it feels like. Um, Sometimes a child can say, it feels like fire inside. It feels like I'm drowning. It feels like I can't see. It feels like I want a bubble around me. I knew one child who was on the autistic spectrum who said, I just want everything to stop. I want a bubble to go around me. And so what would happen was he would begin to say, God, bring your bubble. God, God, I want a bubble. And he would seek a bubble with just him and God. And when he would go into his little space and it was him and God in the bubble because God knew exactly what he liked and what he didn't like. And so sometimes it's about just partnering with the language, with the descriptions, with with helping your child see that God is a God who can connect with him and knows what he needs, and you can ask him for it, and he'll respect that. And the other thing is to just to just continue to partner with your child's methods of communication with God. If your child knows how to connect with God in normal life, then that means they can use that in the difficult bits of life. So I knew a kid who really loved nature. And so we would be ramping up with those emotions. We just want to get outside in nature and breathe three times with God. He and God came up with a plan. Uh, I think he was 12. And he and God came up with a plan that they would go outside, they would breathe three times. And if he couldn't get outside, he would go to a window and he would breathe three times. And he and God like came up with that plan because that's how they can communicate because he didn't have words at the time, but he and God had their pattern of communicating. And so sometimes it's just suggesting that creating windows into your life of I have a pattern with God to connect and to ask if he wants to have a pattern with God to connect and and to just sort of let let your son know that there are so many different ways of doing that and how much it really helps manage manage emotions and be in those emotions that you can tell God about it you can hide with God about it you can come up with a pattern because God is with you and he understands he doesn't need words he doesn't need you to say anything he understands and he is with you in the way you want him to be and he can help and uh, so I would suggest just some of those conversations to, to start with or to try or to model yourself when you get upset to say, oh, God, come close and model an opportunity for that to happen so that you can introduce to your child many different ways, if not through teaching, through example, if not through example, through stories of, of ways that there are many different ways of grabbing onto God um, when you are feeling isolated and alone in those emotions. So you will find your next step. And um, please continue to, to, to keep in touch. We'd love to hear your progress. We'd love to hear your wisdom. We'd love to hear how it's going so that we can learn from you and, uh, and maybe how we can connect you to others uh, who are in a similar situation who might be able to encourage you in this season.
Okay, so for our wild card section today, I wanted to, I have some friends and we do a podcast together. Uh, this is Adam and this is Mark. Say hi, hi to everybody. Hi there. Hi. And, uh, and they are some, we talk about uh, grace and we do a podcast for our church and beyond and it's fantastic. But I really value their wisdom and insight. And so I thought we'd uh, come on in and talk about forgiveness because that's the topic we're talking about in the other podcast. And actually, I think they have some really interesting things. We have a range of children represented by these two men. Adam, what is the age of your youngest? Five, almost six. And Mark, what is the age of your oldest? 36. So this is a wealth of, of dadding experience in here. And so I just wanted to ask you about forgiveness and how we teach our kids about forgiveness, not about, you know, about how we forgive them or anything, but actually how we teach them what forgiveness is. So I have three or four questions I'd like you to give you to just right out of your head what are those answers? So how have you forgiven? No, how have you explained forgiveness to your kids? I think um, I haven't done that structurally. Oh, okay, interesting. So um, I can immediately imagine, remember an experience with my second daughter, Amy, where she came to me and said, Daddy, I'm sorry, but you are wrong. She would have been 10 or 11. And I had a choice at that moment. And the reality is she was absolutely right. And I had been very wrong. And so I apologized to her and asked her to forgive me. Uh, And so that would be, I think, how I raised my children was in the dynamic of thing. I don't think we were forensic Mm. like that. But you have to live forgiveness Mm. because you create the culture of that. Um, And like many parents we we did that forgiving forgive her uh, and well, i'm sorry i forgive and and almost praising that which of course is so far removed from the reality of forgiveness so i think when they experience particularly a parent saying no i am wrong please forgive me they're learning about the forgiveness and, and actually as much as we would hug them after discipline actually we could then hug and our relationship was restored mm, that's interesting that's great i love that that a method of teaching is not just the instruction but it's it's that actually putting yourself in a place of receiving that that teaches them what forgiveness is it's great adam yeah i think grabbing hold of those real life opportunities is probably how we've gone for it too so those moments where the kids have fallen out with each other and you sort it out and then a minute later they're fighting at the extreme based on what they had fallen out of before as well. And you're like, no, no, we've we've said sorries, we've expressed this. You can't pull that all back up again and hit your sister extra hard because you're still cross about that first thing. Forgiveness means we, we're moving on. I think grabbing hold of those real life opportunities is probably the main way we have brought forgiveness into understanding for our kids mm. often we teach forgiveness in relationship with um sort of each other you know the, the sibling thing or or with us but sometimes we ourselves are going on a forgiveness process with external people people at work people things and and we often in parenting for faith talk about creating windows into your authentic journey with god do you have any examples or stories of times where you as a dad have felt like it was important to create a window into your process of forgiveness so that they could see into what it looks like for someone to to go on that journey or to struggle with that journey or to still be in the middle of it yeah i think when when you know that your behavior has been off around your kids and 
kids inevitably pick up on that, don't they? I've definitely made use of those few minutes at bedtime where you're, you're talking through the day to explain to them, you know, I'm sorry I was so snappy today or sorry I was distracted today. This thing has been going on and this is what I'm doing to process it and you bore the brunt of that. I'm really sorry. I'm, so, you know, expressing forgiveness there, but also explaining to them that internal process that I'm having to do some work because of some of the external situation. Um, I think that's probably the main way I comes to mind in the moment of, of how that works out for us. I think it's quite, quite hard, actually, because, you know, I'm thinking of some of the things that I had to work through where to explain it to them would have uncovered someone else. Mm. And so you, you, are, uh, you are conscious of that, um, I'm trying to think if uh, there was those times, and there probably was, where we would say, look, mum and dad are just having a, a bit of a discussion uh, about what went on earlier. Um, and so I, I trust that my kids learnt um, how then to have a conversation. So I, I remember with my two younger boys, um, they were very unhappy I've got to be careful what I say now because this is going out, isn't it? They were unhappy with a certain male individual and um, both of them, I yearned to get them to meet with that person and to have a conversation about... Uh, and I remember with both of them, their, their utter frustration that I was asking them to do that but trying to teach them this is an essential lesson in terms of the process of forgiveness, that sometimes we have to go to someone and say, do you know that when you did that, or when you said that, it made me feel, it caused me to, uh, because we live in blind ignorance of ourselves, and this was the situation. Uh, and it was, it was very tough for them, and of course, they were of a certain age, they would have been in their mid-teens at the time. Uh, and I'm not sure they ever had those conversations and with one of my sons um, it's affected how he's run his business and so I've had to teach him now how to do confrontation which he has done and his business has altered but it, it's those lessons it's how how you walk that uh, towards what would have been a forgiveness but there has to be that confrontation as well so yes I, I think in the live moments rather than sitting down and saying, this is the theology of it. Mm. Do you feel as a dad, particularly with a dad hat on, because um, most of this you know, is, is, is as a parent hat on, but as a specific dad hat on, do you feel a pressure with, with the concept of, of teaching your kid the fatherness of God and the forgiveness of Father God, that sense? Is that a weight on you or is that something that, that isn't feature in your head? So, so for me, it didn't feature in my head for many years until I woke up one morning with these words ringing in my head, which is often in those waking moments that God gets my attention, um, with the words, be a father as I am a father. And I was utterly shaken to the core, utterly shaken. And it caused me to completely review my fatherhood in light of his fatherhood. So little things would be, don't ask again. Well, actually, 
My father never says don't. He says ask and ask. I think, oh, all right. I would say don't be angry. But my father doesn't say don't be angry. What he says is, Elijah, why are you here? Why, why are you angry to, to, to Cain? Why is your soul cast down? And I, it, 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 whether my kids would testify different, but I know in a, in a week or two's processing, I realised I, I was doing things that were not uh, of my father. Um, was, was it a burden? Actually, it was totally freeing. So learning to put uh, responsibility in the right place no, Samuel, I am not going to go and look for your key right now. Or oh, your bus pass was his thing. Um, I'm really sorry that you're going to miss your bus and you will get a detention for being late at school. I had spent years chasing him, taking him to Tunbridge and, and, and what have you for his bus pass. Do you know, he never lost his bus pass again that day. That was the last time because I put the responsibility uh, to where father would put the responsibility you know so so it became a joy not not a pressure and it worked fantastic what about you adam <laughs> uh, sounds like i need one of those encounters really <laughs> <laughs> i think i you know, slightly more humorous level but serious too like you're just aware that you can't be the perfect parent and so the, the you know, yeah i i I worry that perhaps sometimes what I'm showing them as a dad is not showing them what God as a dad is like. But then I also just get to trust and lean onto the grace of God and go, I can't be the perfect dad and God will cover over my failings. And, and I want to be the best dad I can be. And I want to you know, improve and when I've made mistakes, do better. But there's something of being able to relax into, it isn't my job to be perfect. I don't have to be the perfect representation of God to my kids. There is grace that no matter how well I do, he will have to do something you know, supernatural in their lives to, to show them uh, himself. And I think that's a really helpful counterpoint as well. Yeah. And so that's really quite funny. So one of my daughters in her 20s came to me and said uh, we were just talking about things and she said oh, I've just had ministry on that I've been healed from what you did <laughs> and you go well thank you Lord because because that's our reality of our journeys isn't it that yeah. later on God puts his finger on and shows us actually no that was rooted in the way dad spoke to you or mum spoke to you or behaved and and wonderfully walking in faith they have that joy of coming through and being free and, and administering forgiveness at a level that causes freedom so i i agree we we can't live under that perfective parent thing that's that's devastating in fact that's unhealthy for the children as well excellent well that was a little dad panel on forgiveness uh, i hope you enjoyed it and uh stay tuned for the question that will start an interesting conversation with your kids and your question to start an interesting conversation this week is this if Jesus had to stay off school when he was a boy, what do you think he would want to spend his time doing? Have a great conversation and we'll see you next week. Thank you for downloading the Parenting for Faith podcast. A new episode will be released next week. And why not look at parentingforfaith.org to watch the free eight session course to get in touch or to find out about training and events near you.